So tonight we're going to learn a piece from Mayan Beis HaShoeva on Parshas Bayit, which is, of course, the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim Parsha. We're going to do the piece on Yud Gimel Ches, V'yigadatol avincha b'yamu leymar, b'avor zeh, asa Hashem li Mitzrayim. You're supposed to tell your son on that day that because of this, Hashem did for me when I left Egypt. Every single generation, a person must see himself as if he himself personally went out of Mitzrayim. So the Lashon Li is an eternal Lashon. Everybody in all generations, are going, is going to use this Lashon of Li. That means that it's a personal experience uh, for every generation. In 2023, by our Pesach Seder, we're going to reenact Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We're going to make, we're going to feel, and we're going to have that, uh, that vantage point as if I myself personally left Mitzrayim, and that's how you're supposed to convey it to your children. V'yesh lahaven echnucha loimar li. How do you do that? How are we able to say it in such a way that sounds like I myself personally left Egypt? I've never been to Egypt in my life. How am I supposed to convey to my children that I myself left Egypt when it's not Shaykh? Is that true? Was I personally, at the end of the day, I mean, if we're making up, you know, if we're role playing, okay, I get it. But if we're really genuinely supposed to, uh, make it uh, to demonstrate to see oneself as if he left Egypt, or as the Rambam says to demonstrate, to convey to others but at the end of the day, I didn't right, and truth be told it wasn't me that left Egypt maybe my great 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 grandfather did but I didn't, so what's going on over here? it's just, uh, you know, we're just engaging in like role playing and fantasy Furthermore, the Agadah says another thing that needs a lot of understanding. Again, putting it into the personal, uh, that not only did our forefathers uh, Hashem rescue, but even we were rescued as well. It sounds very nice, it sounds poetic, but... Lamaisa, it's not accurate. Sharia Nachnu Batsmina Loyatsan Mutaim. So what is what's going on over here? I mean it's you know, a lot of the Mafarshim say that the reason why we have to consider ourselves as if we left Egypt is because that's the best way, maybe the only way to be Mechanich children. If you don't seem like you know what you're talking about, if you uh if you're uh you know, if you're just like faking everything and you're rolling your eyes as you say, as you speak about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and you're just telling it over like a classroom, so then the children will fall asleep, nothing will be accomplished. But when you show that you're passionate about it, as if you left Egypt and you make it very exciting, I think the Chidah says on that Rambam about Chayavadim Laharis Asatzmai, I don't even know you were coming, um, the Chidah says that. Um, that it's supposed to be so genuine the way you're conveying it to your children that you left Egypt, that they're all convinced that you actually left Egypt. 
That's how convincing it has to be. That's Laharis isn't just, uh, you know, put on the, the skit. It has to be that you mamish feel it. One year, I don't know if this was appropriate or not, but one year I, I, I had like a very interesting type of becher that I took from my parents' house. I bought it once from my parents in Israel in some silver store, and it was like a Chinese becher. I don't know if it's legit, if it was genuinely Chinese or it was just a, you know, maybe it was just a Gaiusha Chinese thing that they were selling as a Jewish becher to be able to sell it for 10 times the money. Whatever, I bought it from my parents. And uh, it's a very interesting, it's like a hexagon shape. It has a lid on it, it has, uh, it has pictures on it, it has Chinese letters on it. It's an interesting thing. My kids had never seen it. And so I, uh, I brought it to the house on Seder night for the first time, and I made this whole story up around this case. So this case was really, you know, with us in Egypt, and we, uh, you know, we smuggled it out, and, you know, it got lost for a long time, and we got it back recently, and whatever, like, and, you know, it worked. It was a pure lie, but I don't know if it's a lie worse than anything else that we're doing tonight. We're also, everyone's lying. Everyone's, like, taking sacks, and, you know, what is that? Is it the truth, or is it a lie? So if it's a lie, so then, okay, it's chinuch, so I guess it's mutter l'shanes of ne'achinuch, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, this is what is bothering Rav Schwab. Like, we go through many, many years of speaking about how it's li, Hashem took me out of Mitzrayim, and le'esav isena b'levad, not only did our forefathers Hashem take out, took out, but he took us out also. Now, with all the tyro that, you know, if he hadn't taken them out, then we wouldn't have been going out. Okay, we know the tyro, but l'maysa pshutok, you know, pshutok shal mikra, it sounds like, it's not true. Sounds like it's just not true. And the Schwab is, of course, going to come tonight, and he was known as the Ish Emes, so maybe that's why it bothered him and it didn't bother us so much, but he's going to give us an actual explanation to prove that we actually did go out of Egypt, believe it or not. Okay, so let's see what he says. Well, the Emes Lekenhu, Mamish Kepshuta. Rav Schwab is saying a very big Yisai that, you know what, I literally left Egypt. We have to all understand that it's not just role play. It's not just let's make it up as we go along and, and maybe the kids will buy into it. We actually can honestly say that we left Egypt. How? I, I was never in Egypt. And Rav Schwab gives a mushal that you see by human anatomy what is the body made of? The body is made of cells. Cells die. Cells are dying every second. As we're speaking, our cells are dying. There are new ones being created. They're regenerating. Old ones die. Skin dies. Cells die. Um, hair dies. Uh, you know, everything is dying and it's being regenerated. And it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be the, the most inaccurate thing in the world to say that literally a person in his entirety changes. Meaning, what I was last year if you were able to, to track all of my cells, there's probably very little of me left this year from last year. Everything, yeah. I think they say every seven years your body fully recycles. Really? That's crazy. So every seven years you mamish have nothing. So it's not one year, it's, it's a seven-year process. 
like a Shemitah. So, all right, that's good to know. So a person, so every seven years, you're a brand new person. It's not, you're not the same person. You're, you're totally different. You can't say that the body that you had when you were five years old is the same body that you have in your 20s or your 30s or your 50s or your 70s. can't say that, right? Because it's Lemaisa, it's just not true. Your body has changed. Your body has just uh, completely re- overhauled itself and out with the old, in with the new. It's shed and it, you know, it's, it's new. The Imkolza, and in spite of that fact, a person still could and does say when he's, getting, when he's older, Look at my arm. I broke this arm when I was a little kid. Now I'm 90 years old. You know, you could still see the scar. You could still see, uh, you know, I still, when it rains, it's, I still feel it. That's what, a, that's what older people say. So obviously they're still being misyaches their body as if it's them. So what is it? Is it, their, is it them or is it not them? Shadayin hi yisayad. Ki zayhi techunasa shal haberia achaya sheav sheish ba kesei deshine vechalipen. That's how we are. We don't look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, I'm totally new. We look at ourselves as being a continuum from birth till today, and we could look at, uh, you know, and nothing, not, we don't look at ourselves as brand new people. We look at ourselves as the same person. It's the same arm that I had, the same hand that I have, the same eyes that I had. It grew a little bit, and it, you know, but... At the end of the day, that's the way we associate, that's the way we relate to ourselves. We relate to ourselves that I am the same person as I was as a child. And even if everything changed, even if every bone that I had is completely, the atoms, like you said, are all brand new, it doesn't matter. It's still me. I still am entitled to fully, no one would say you're a liar because everything changed, so you're not you. You know, you want to show pictures of you as a little kid, and people say, ah, what a chakra, you know, that's not you. But it is me. No, 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 it's not you. The, the totally different cells, totally different bone structure. Totally, you know, you're, but it's you. It's fair to say that it's you. V'cheinho gabe knesses Yisrael. Says Rav Schwab, the same thing is true by Klal Yisrael. Whatever we're saying for our body, the same thing is true for the body of Klal Yisrael, the cumulative body of Klal Yisrael. She beria chaya achuda we are one corpus, we are one body, and we're a body that has spanned the generations. Kla Yisrael is one, we're one body, we're one guf, and, and all generations from the beginning of Kla Yisrael's history till today, we're, this, we're just, you know, we're, we're, we're passing through history, but if you look at Kla Yisrael not as, as many yechidim, but as one guf, then you would consider ourselves to be the same exact body that left, at, left Egypt. True, it's uh, thousands of years, 3,000 and some odd years later, but so what? What changed? If we're a body, we're a body that remains. And so whatever, we might be different people, we might be different personalities, we might have be in different countries, but the body, we can, just like the physical body, we are misyaches to throughout its growth and throughout its entire life. So if you look at Klai Yisrael's body, you know, over spanning history, we're the same person, the same guf that left Egypt is now, is now here in, in this world. 
Now there's a, there was a trial called the Bayless trial. Bayless was somebody, Mendel Bayless. In 1913, there was a, um, throughout history, there was something called blood libels. Blood libel is that Gaim, it started really in the, I think in the 1200s in England, but Gaim, for some reason, was always surrounding Pesach and the Matzis. They claimed that Jews killed Christian babies in order to bake their blood into the matzahs. That was a, 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 a main ingredient uh, to make matzahs was Christian baby blood. And, um, and because of that, Jews were, there were pogroms always around Pesach time. It was a very dangerous time uh, of the year throughout the world. It went to England and it was in Poland and it was in Russia. It was even in America. Throughout history, you could look up, there are books written just about the history of blood libels. Many, 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 you know, documented over, over the course of time, maybe dozens, maybe even more. And, um, and each time it was a big deal because you're accusing a Jew, they found like a dead baby near, uh, near the water somewhere and they you know, they accused a Jew who lived nearby that he must have killed the baked matzahs. Same story over and over again. If you look it up online, you could find a conspiracy theorists that still are saying today that we do it. They still believe that we do it, which is, which is such a... It's crazy because anyone that knows anything about Jews know that we have, you know, it's, a, it's an avera to eat blood, to drink blood. Uh, you know, if there's a blood of a... Of a, of, a, of a mosquito, we wouldn't be allowed to, it's tame, we wouldn't be allowed to eat it or drink it. Or, so we would never, ever in a million years put blood in our matzahs, but that didn't bother them, you know, that fact. And they just, they would kill hundreds of Jews and, you know, burn down towns. And it was always a big, a big issue. So in, as late as 90, think, okay, that's probably in the times of the Rishayim. Well, in the year 1913, um, there was a fellow by the name of Mendel Bayless, and he, uh, he was accused of killing a Gaisha baby. You could look it up, and there's pictures of what he looked like, and what the baby looked like, what the, what the mother of the baby looked like. And it was a huge, huge uh, trial. The whole thing, eventually, the whole thing was discovered to be one big fabrication, and it was just a scam, the whole trial. And Baruch Hashem was proven. He was, uh, he was actually uh, found innocent. He was acquitted. He was let out of jail. But it was a big, big tumult at the time. And the whole world, all the Jews in the world, were like, they were totally fixated on this trial. They were following it in newspapers and, you know, writing letters to each other. And there was an internet at the time. I can imagine what it would be if, you know, if Yeshiva World would get, you know, would have its, uh, would be around then. But it was, it was the whole world was, was infatuated by it. And there was going to be a big trial and the trial was not going to be just about this guy, Mendel Bayless. This Mendel Bayless, by the way, wasn't, wasn't from, I think he was, uh, you know, like a secular Jew. And, um, but the whole world, you know, Orthodox Jews and every type of Jew was very concerned. The trial was not going to be just around about Mendel Bayless. It was going to be about the Talmud. Is the Talmud anti-Semitic? Is the Talmud uh, anti-Gayim? Is the Talmud... Uh, and so, you know, this lawyer, I think his name was um, something like, uh, I forgot his name, Mass, something like Massey or Massery maybe or something. So he was the one that was defending Bayless, and he also was defending Yiddishkeit. It was a big job that he had uh, to, um, 
to defend everything. So Rav Meir Shapiro, the great Rav Meir Shapiro, the founder of Yeshivas Chachman Lublin and Tafyemi, he, he told this lawyer that I'm telling you that they're going to bring up on trial a Gemara, I think it's a Gemara in Yevamas. The Gemara says, Darshan's a word, Adam, and it says, Atem Kriyam Adam, the Gemara says, you're called man, but Gayim are not called men, which in the hands of an anti-Semite is a very you know, good source to have when you're trying to, to go up against the Talmud and say that the Talmud is basically calling all non-Jew subhumans. Jews are humans, we're, we're Adam, and, but Gayim are not Adam, we're not human, they're not humans. And he says, they're for sure going to bring this up on trial, and I want to give you the terrorists and so you should know what, how to defend yourself. So he said that it doesn't mean that we're human and they're not human. It means Atom Kriyam Adam, Kla Yisrael, is one body. We're one person. We're one. We're, we're, it doesn't matter. You could be, even though we're all over the world, where you know, there's Jews in Russia, there's Jews in America, there's Jews in Australia, there's Jews in England, there's Jews all over the world. But that doesn't matter. We're still one. And if you want to, you know, and the biggest exhibit A to this is that Mendel Bayless, he's on trial, and people in, in America are worried about him, people in Poland are worried about him, people in, in Russia are worried about him. Jews all over the world are like one because we care about each other. And Uma Salem, they're not Kruim Adam, they're not, there are many people, but they're not one, can't call them one body because they're not. If a guy, in, uh, if an Italian in, uh, in, uh, in Milan, in, 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 Italo, in Italy, uh, you know, if he gets, uh, I don't know, he gets into a car accident, do you think an, a, an Italian in, in, uh, in, whatever, in New York City somewhere, or an Italian in Russia, or an Italian in, in wherever, they don't care. It's like, okay, who cares? Like, so because we're both Italian, so I, I, I care about him. I don't, whatever, what is it? What's in the game of me? Nebuchadnezzar, but I don't care. You know, I'm not going to send him. A, I'm not going to do a raise it fund and you know raise millions of dollars from people Italians all over the world. And so, Atom Kriyamadam, you're one person. Claudius is one man, but not just one man in this generation. We're one man from Matan Taira Kishacha Belevachad till today. We're still one man. You still see how Klai Yisrael is concerned about, you know, if you're looking online and you see a, somebody who went uh, from a Yid went down in a plane crash, Rachman Litzlan, or there's something, violence brewing in Eretz Yisrael, there's a terrorist attack, or there's a, you know, a shul somewhere in Pittsburgh that was shot up, or, you know, all, it bothers us. It, we're, we're, we're glued to it. We want to know more. We want to raise money. We want to daven for them. We do things because we care. We're one unified body. And then Rav Shrab is saying, and by the way, that was on trial. That was brought up. That question was raised on that trial. Rav Meir Shapiro's Ruch HaKadosh strikes again. And um, the reason why I say strikes again is because I always say, uh, not just me, but a lot of Dafyemi Shir sayers notice that the Daf is very often in Yana Diyayma. Like, you know, you'll have, um, you know, you'll be learning uh, Shabbos Daf, uh, you know, Chafalaf, the, the Sugi of Hanukkah, on Hanukkah. And Megillah is, you know, is around Megillah time, around Purim time. And, uh, you know, it's very, very often, you'll have individual Gemaras, let's say on Pesach, we're going to be learning Saita, Mirza Hashem. All of you are joining, I think, right? This Saita, yeah? 
All right, good. I'm not going to be able to be here for the night. Not going to be hearing it from me for the first couple of weeks, but after we get back in Mitzvah Shem, I think if I'm not mistaken, the, all the Gishmak Agarita about Meshra Abenu, Meshra Abenu when he was born, Meshra Abenu Mitzrayim, Pisam and Ramses and Parah and the Mialdes and and all these and yes, all these all these stories that are Shaykh to Yitzis Mitzrayim, I think we're going to be learning it over Pesach, maybe even maybe Chalmayid if I'm not mistaken. Right? I mean, if Friday is Bez. So, yeah, it's going to be, you know, Yid Aleph, Yid Beis, Yid Gimel. So it's, it's always like that. So Rameyar Shavira, when he set it up originally, definitely, you know, had Ruch HaKadosh to know exactly when to start on that Rosh Hashanah in the year, what year did Daf Yemi start? Kayesh year. It was Rosh Hashanah 19 what? 1923. 1923. A very important year. What? Hundred years. Mm. Oh wow. Okay. Very interesting. I wonder if anyone is aiming on that. I guess when the Hebrew, when it turns the Hebrew day, Rosh Hashanah, this Rosh Hashanah will be. I guess if if we're right, it'll be a hundred years. Wow. It's amazing. So he says. Um, we too can say about ourselves, This is what Hashem did to me when we left Egypt. What do you mean you left Egypt? You don't go, oh yes I did. Because I'm part of the body of Klai Yisrael. We don't look at it like that. But if you look at it that way, if you look at Klai Yisrael as being, you know, Shishim Ribai, instead of looking at it that way, if you look at Klai Yisrael as one body that left Egypt, and now, and that body never died. It just continues to go through the generations. A big giant of a body called Kal Yisrael. And it marches through time. And we're a part of that. So it's true that I didn't physically go out. But I did in a way. Because just like my hand regenerated, but it's still considered to be my hand. So we might have regenerated many times over, many generations over, but we're still part of that one body that left Egypt. So we did leave Egypt in a certain sense. He brings uh, he brings Rias to this, um, and then he says, Look at the end of the next paragraph. By the Russia, what do we say to Because he took himself out of the cloud meaning out of, the, out of Kla Yisrael, he removed himself. He severed his ties from the Klal. He did not see himself as if he left Egypt. Because he wasn't, he's not recognized, he's not buying into this that we're one, one unit. I don't want to be part of that unit. I want to be separate from them. Okay, so then that's a kfira b'ikr. We ourselves too were gal. And we are uh, extensions of the gula of our forefathers. And then we make a bracha right before hal. No, is it right before hal? It's right after the first two kapitel chapalim, I think. Uh, we say first, you redeemed us, 
Asher Ga'Allah Nu. And then it says, V'galas Avesena, and you redeemed our forefathers. Why is it in that order? V'hayna Machma Shekulana Echad, because we're all one. Shanachnu v'avesenu kulanu shkulim kegush echad. We're like one unit. We're one clump. Ve'ein muktam mukher. It doesn't matter who comes first because we're one. You don't need a. There's no chronology here because Klai Yisrael is Klai Yisrael. I want to just tell. It's a beautiful var from Rishab, and I think it's kedai to mention by the seder. It's something that's very essential, right? To know everyone around the table. We, we physically went out of Egypt. We did, because we're part of a, of a body that left Mitzrayim and we're just nothing but extensions, but is considered still to be the same body. I'll just tell you one part, one story that goes with that other story I just told you about uh, Mendel Bayless, is that I saw it recently, I just saw it this week. I mentioned it by Shal Shudas in uh, North Woodmere this Shabbos. An amazing story. There was a, a rav in the chief rabbi of Austria. I think his name was Rabbi Wertheim. Wertheim, Wertheimer. So he was approached by the Tsar of Austria, like the king of Austria, and he was told, um, and the king said, Listen, I don't have a problem with you Jews. I'm cool with you guys. But there's a lot of like Galachim that are telling me stuff about you, like that you're, you know, theologians and things like that, that, you know, you're very anti Gayim and you're, you feel like you're superior to us and you have this thing about you, you're the Amanivcha, you're the chosen nation, and that you're, you're, you're better than us, you have, uh, you know, you're superior, and, and we don't like that. We don't like that. So either prove to us that you are a superior race, you are a superior people. Or I'll kill you. Easy, you know, very easy choice. So, and this is, by the way, this happened all the time throughout history. Like, it's, the Ramban had this when he debated the Galachim in Spain. And, but many, many, you know, I don't know how many times exactly, but probably hundreds of times, like, the Jews were forced to, um, you know, to debate, like, Galachim and, 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 and scholars, and they better win the debate not that the judges were necessarily impartial, but um, they better win the debate, or else they would just be kicked out of the city, or the, they would just be burned to death, things like that. So he said to this Rabbi Wertheim, you know, prove to me that you Jews are like, you claim you're so superior, so great, you're one, you're one people, you're one body, of Schwab said, you know, so prove that. He's okay, no problem. It's an amazing story. You got... He says, but I, I need to come into your palace to do the experiment to prove this. He says, sure, whatever you need, you just tell me. So he says, okay, uh, let's go into your diner, the royal diner. It was a long table. And, um, and he says, okay, now I need about, uh, you know, cut up like 30 melons. Cut up, you know, you know, take them out, you know, cut them up, make them into chunks and put them, you know, on nice trays around the whole, the whole length of this dining room table. So these are arranged that. And then he says, call in 40 Gayim from the street, 40 Gentiles, I want you to call in from the street. Did that. And then he said, okay, here's the thing. I want, he told the king privately, he said, I want that all these 40 Gayim should, should eat, but they're only allowed to eat with forks. Can't, can't use your hands, that's part of the deal. Said, okay, we could do that. So he says, but not so fast. So the forks need to be like 15 feet high forks, like huge, like pitchforks. 
Okay, that's the only type of fork that I want you to use, and that's the experiment. So he says, all right, sounds good. They got the 40 guys in. They said there's an announcement made. Nobody is allowed. The melon looks delicious. They're all like about to jump in. And no one's allowed to eat the melons unless you use a fork. He said, okay, fine, where are the forks? These like fancy, you know, uh, soldier waiters, you know, start bringing in like a procession of these huge forks. The guy went like looking at He's like, and they said, okay, now you can eat. So they were like, you know, they're trying to like get this huge fork into the melon, and then it can't. They couldn't position it in a way that they can get it into their own mouth. It was just a mess. Like nobody was able to like put any any food into their mouth. It was just impossible. And maybe the ceiling was a little short. They kept bumping into the ceiling. This and that. It wasn't working. So the king says, "Okay, what was your point with that?" He says, "Now bring in forty Jews. Bring in forty Jews. Same exact thing. Melons across the table." No one's allowed to use your hand, just forks. And the, the, again, these, you know, these, uh, these fancy uh, waiters come in with these big pitchforks, these 15-feet pitchforks, and uh, each of the Jews are given it, and the king is just waiting to see what's going to happen. How are they going to be able to do it different than, the, than the, first, the first crew? So instinctively, every Jew put the fork into the melon, and then they fed it, to a Jew that was like 15 feet away. They weren't thinking just about themselves, how they could strip it in their own mouth, which was an impossibility. They just extended their, their, in themselves to the Jew 15 feet away. That's what a Yid does. A Yid cares about other people, other Jews, more than he cares about himself sometimes. And the king was like blown away. The king says, okay, I get it. I get it. I see you are the Amma Nifchar. I see that you are. You get to live. Baruch Hashem, you know, everything, everything is good. But uh, because we are one guf, we are one body, we are one unified people, nothing really changed from, from uh, Mount Taira till today. We are always, we always, it doesn't mean to say we're always perfect, but on the whole, like I always say, I never, I've been driving around the streets of New York for many, many you know, decades. I never once encountered a, uh, like an ambulance service that was for African-Americans. Never did. Maybe they exist. I, don't, I never saw one. I never saw an ambulance service for Puerto Ricans. I never saw an ambulance service for Italian-Americans. Never saw it. I never saw Javierma. I never saw, like, volunteer AAA guys running around fixing tires for people. You know, that I, I just saw up by Klal Yisrael. I never saw Gemachs. Imagine free loan societies by guy. It would be crazy. You know, but that's... that. You know, that that's... Uh, you know, there's a, a joke that's told about... Um, Somebody came, you know, was a guest in somebody's house on Shabbos, and he went, um, Shabbos afternoon, he went to a shear. On the way out, he sees, like, kids, you know, the kids in the house uh, were playing Monopoly. They're putting all your halachic uh, OCD issues on, on the back burner, whether Monopoly is okay to play on Shabbos or not. Don't let that bother you. Don't let it ruin a good story. So um, they were playing Monopoly, and... Uh, and uh, they're having a great time. This guest, you know, goes to the shear, comes back like four hours later, and um, and these kids are still playing Monopoly. It's like the longest Monopoly game in human history. Like, how long is Monopoly take already? It's a long game, but it's not four hours. So he says, I don't get it, Rabbi. So you're still playing the same game of Monopoly four hours later? He said, yeah. Maybe you maybe did a few games. No, no, just one. He says, so I don't get it. Nobody ran out of money yet? Like, didn't, didn't anyone win the game? He says, yeah, a few people ran out of money, but we started a gemach, and we lent them, we lent them new money, and now and when the game continues. 
And uh, that's Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is a nation that really cares about each other. We're really good to, to one another. And, uh, and we, we love each other. We care about each other. We, we you know, give generously of our time, of our experiences, of our knowledge, of our, of our everything. And, and that's because we're one guf. And that is the same guf that left Mitzrayim, same guf at Mantaira, same guf at Hanukkah Purim, and throughout history, we are one body. So we can honestly say, it's not hyperbole, it's not poetic license, it's, we have the full truth behind us when we say that, We were nigal together with them because we're one people. We're one people, one man, spanning millennia, but we're always the same person, and we actually did leave Egypt. It's not just, oh, we, it means our great-great-grandparents. No, 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 it means us. Because if you understand the nature of Klai Yisrael, then you understand how it was actually us, each and every one of us, and Klai Yisrael as a whole, that actually were Yaitzim Mimitzrayim.